Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Light On, our bi-monthly video series that brings to light the latest and greatest in human capital and business topics. Today, I'm joined by experts from our product and experiences teams to talk about the impact that 2020 has had on employees' perspectives on health, wealth, and their broader benefits. Please join me in welcoming Ray Baumrock, the Vice President of Employee Experience Research and Insights, and Brian Smith, the Director of Health Products and Solutions. Ray and Brian, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks, Dom. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be here, Dom. Of course. So, gentlemen, before we get started, I do have one reminder for our viewers. If at any time you have a question for either of our panelists, make sure to put it in the cue box on the right-hand side of the console, and we'll make sure to follow up with you at the end of today's episode. Now, let's dive right in. I think it's pretty safe to say that the pandemic has hit pretty hard in 2020 in terms of changes and challenges that organizations and employees alike have been facing. As priorities and strategies have continued to shift as it relates to healthcare, the employee experience, and the broader benefits landscape, employees are now taking stock of what their physical and financial well-being may look like as a result of the recent pandemic. Looking back on this year, we've seen employee well-being decline, unfortunately, in many areas, which causes organizations to have to change course in ways that they can help support and instill confidence back in their workforce. So as we get started, I wanna really just, you know, recap 2020 as a whole. And so Brian, I'm gonna have you kick things off today. Let's take a step back and look at what happened this year, you know, in terms of healthcare and in the overall workforce, and then what that means in terms of what employees are feeling right now. Sure, yeah, good question, Dom. So, I mean, the pandemic caused it to be a unique year for employees to say the least, right? Uh, employees need help like never before, and employers are ready and willing to help them like never before. But it's important to understand the impacts we've seen to help inform the right solutions. So there's a few sides to this. First, many employees have avoided healthcare spend altogether, and not just elective procedures. Whether due to safety or availability, 43% of those who scheduled preventive care delayed it. Second, we see many employees experiencing financial hardships and looking for ways to increase their take-home pay. And in many cases, the only levers available to do that are really reducing or eliminating your 401k or HSA contributions, or both. Now, as we hoped, in some cases, the avoidance of healthcare spend had a positive impact on HSA balances. You spent less and you kept saving the same amount. But all too often, and particularly where employees experience financial hardships, the latter half of 2020 saw increased spending and far reduced balances in HSAs and FSAs. Now, there's a lot of potential causes for that increase in spending, and it kind of goes against the concept that we would have hoped, but it's partially attributed to the newly eligible expenses provided through the CARES Act, where suddenly people are using these accounts to pay for day-to-day, over-the-counter products, or even coronavirus-related expenses. Now, that flexibility is great. We appreciate that in the industry, but it's definitely shifted the dynamic a bit. Some of our savers have become spenders, if you will. So to say it simply, Don, many employees are saving less, they're spending more, and they're less prepared to handle the increased healthcare spend in 2021. Interesting. So, you know, what we're seeing, I guess, is that there's a lot of various behaviors and attitudes that, you know, employees are are kind of taking as a result of what's going on right now in the world. So, Ray, I'll now kick you the same question. Do you have anything that you want to add that you may be hearing from the worker perspective? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and, and I'd, I'd maybe go beyond healthcare specifically, right? So the latest uh, results from our workforce mindset study uh, show, as you mentioned, as you referenced before, overall personal well-being is down nine points, right, from pre-pandemic levels. It's it, it, 
probably not surprising, right? Um, concerns about personal health, safety um, for, you know, if you're an essential worker or now you're remote, right? You're in a remote situation, um, whether you're a per uh, working parent, you're living alone, right? It's really, it, it has been a struggle. Um, and, and as we unpack that even a little bit further, right? Going deeper into some of those social well-being on some of these dimensions down 12 points. Um, career well-being or, or sort of your feelings about the, the job down 10 points um, and, and probably not not surprisingly right we're we're seeing mental emotional well-being down nine points financial well-being down uh, five points uh, you know and, and I think the, the interesting thing that that we've noticed too in the financial well-being space um, is even though that hasn't you know, um, declined quite as much as some of the other dimensions. What we are seeing is kind of this bifurcation, right? We're seeing those who maybe have been a little bit more uh, insulated from the effects of of the uh, job or the economy or some of those kinds of things actually feeling a little bit better about their financial well-being as they look at it relative to others. And, and those who have had that impacted more directly, right? Feeling much worse about that, right? So instead of kind of everybody in the middle, we're seeing these kinds of stretch out there. And I think employers are starting to see that too in, in all of the different diversity of their populations. Yeah, I mean, you said it pretty pretty succinctly, Ray. It, it, it's not surprising to see some of this data knowing what you know some of these forces could cause um, in terms of how people will view their well-being. Um, it is still always interesting for me to see you know, how that does play out, you know, that bifurcation you talk about was, you know, something I had personally not heard before, um, but certainly fascinating. And, you know, this year, obviously, we were hit with a lot of unexpected changes that many of us, frankly, have not really had to deal with in our lifetime. I mean, let's just look at this conversation right now. And in, in a normal, you know, pre-pandemic world, we'd be having this conversation in our physical workspaces. And instead, <laughs> we're, you know, enjoying the comforts of our own homes as we get to to have this conversation. And so, you know, just thinking about things like that, you have to think about, you know, how are organizations responding to some of these challenges that are being presented to them? And so that's what I want to move on to next. Um, I think it's important that we hit on that. So, Ray, I'm going to have you start things off this time. What are we seeing organizations do to support employees or, you know, maybe what have what things have they already started to implement to alleviate some of the stress that these challenges may be creating? Yeah. yeah, and there's there's so many great things I think that employers are are responding with uh, around these things. But you know, first we've we've seen and and I think continue to encourage and support uh, employers really listening to their employees, right? Um, you know, like we alluded to around financial well-being, there are diverse sets of priorities, and and the situations are are rapidly changing for different roles, different situations, different parts of the country. As as we're seeing some of these things kind of play out, so um, you know, one thing we're seeing a lot is is employers, you know, building paths to stay in touch with employees. Um, it could be through you know more formal surveys or online communities, uh, focus groups, even just conversations with the manager, right? In, is, is one thing that we're seeing a lot um, happen. Um, I think we're also seeing the, the acceleration in the trend that we have been seeing prior to this too in adding financial well-being programs. Um, you know, it's, and it's really coming from probably two main sources. You know, the obvious one is increased financial hardship, right? Um, that the pandemic has imposed on, you know, individual employees in different roles. Um, and employers want to help that. I mean, it just, 
that that's the easy one. But employers, um, I think, are also acknowledging that financial concern is actually the number one source of stress, right? And then research has has shown all of those kinds of things, and that kind of piled all on top of the already challenging state of, you know, mental, emotional health due to isolation or illness concerns or Zoom fatigue, maybe if we're feeling a little bit of that right now, um, and, and just the, the social <laughs> lifestyle disruption, right? It's, it's all a recipe for increased health cost risk to employers, um, but also, you know, really a, a, a productivity and retention issue as well. And, and a great example of that is, you know, we've seen in some of the research, um, working parents, right, where we're seeing people actually reduce hours or go to part time, or even in some of the more extreme cases, actually quit their jobs because, you know, they have to handle these caregiving, remote learning, all of these different things. And for single parents, it, you know, even more dramatically uh, impacting that. So certainly we're seeing employers take a lot of, of, of effort uh, around financial well-being and, and some of that support too for working parents. And then I guess, Brian, you know, as a follow-up to that, I'm going to throw kind of the same question at you. What else are you hearing and seeing organizations do in your space? Sure. Yeah. Now, following up on the idea that there's diverse priorities for employees, we've seen organizations have to really take a step back and just take stock of what their offerings are. There's a lot of different priorities, so there's a lot of different avenues that we're seeing. Um, some of the popular ones are additional coverage, support for remote lifestyle, access to mental and emotional health resources like we've never seen, or even extending PTO policies. Now, of course, with so many diverse needs of employees, employers are definitely gonna struggle with providing something for everyone. And that's not new, but it's something to think about. Um, you know, one really great thing we're seeing is new interest in reimbursement accounts that allow employers to provide targeted relief for their people. That could be an expanded fitness reimbursement plan to purchase home exercise equipment where maybe it used to be a gym reimbursement plan. Yeah. We're also seeing employers opt for much broader relief with our employee care card where they can opt to help their employees with day-to-day -day expenses. I mean, buying groceries, paying bills. Uh, these are impactful benefits uh, and reimbursement accounts can really complement a broader strategy here. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's one thing that I can take away from both of the discussions that you both had, it's just how impressive it is that employers can quickly ideate and support their people, you know, in an agile way to make sure that this type of work gets done still and make sure that your people feel assisted in not just their physical health, obviously it's a pandemic, but thinking too about that physical connection with your financial, emotional, social health as well. Um, and so it's, I personally feel really proud to work at an organization that, that does that kind of stuff. And I think it's really refreshing to, to hear that that's stuff we are also seeing out in the market. Um, you know, one way I like to close out our episodes um, pretty consistently is giving that, what do you do next? How do we move forward from here? And so I know what we've discussed the landscape of the world today pretty extensively. And I'm sure that if you haven't gotten Zoom fatigue talking about that before, you could if we <laughs> talked about it for 30 more minutes. So what I really want to do is, Brian, go to you now and say, what can organizations do to continue to change to make better experiences as we get ready to start a new year? Sure. Yeah. Well, as we all know, savings and reimbursement accounts have always been great benefits to help employees. And 2020 has expanded that significantly. Beyond adding new programs, we're helping employers optimize the benefits that they already had to help their people access care when they need it in 2021, given all the dynamics that I shared before. 
So when it comes to health savings accounts, many employees are taking another look at seeding or providing that employer contribution to the HSA. Or maybe that means advancing future contributions that their employees will make through the year. In either case, it's giving access to funds earlier in the year and enabling care when people need it. When it comes to flexible spending accounts, we're encouraging employers to improve the flexibility of their health care and dependent care FSAs. Many are adopting CARES Act options like increasing the rollover maximum or allowing election changes throughout the year. Many are adopting things that were available prior to the CARES Act that they just never really got around to adopting. But we really still see opportunity to help people through plan design changes without adding costs to employers. And that's the big, that's the big piece there. You know, we're encouraging everyone to take a look at options that they may have declined earlier in 2020 because of rightfully so other priorities going on at that time, but take another look and build them into 2021 plan designs if they make sense for your people. And so, you know, adding new programs may make sense too. If you haven't considered support for financial well-being, as Ray said, it's a really important concern for employees right now. Where's my money going? How can I increase my take-home pay and save for future expenses? What's the right balance for my personal situation? Um, so, you know, beyond just building awareness and building a plan, Alight is also helping employers increase the frequency of how often employees get paid, which is extremely impactful. That can help people, you know, bridge gaps or avoid loans or any number of so look, there's a lot of options out there and these are just a few, we know that. We hit on this earlier, but it's critical to evaluate where your people are and let that inform your strategy. It's not one size fits all. And I encourage employers to look holistically at your ecosystem. You know, what, what programs are you offering that are underutilized or have been underutilized for years? To me, that means you have an awareness or an education problem and you need to focus on communicating these resources to employees and helping them really see the value in those benefits. And so, Ray, I guess, you know, kind of piggybacking off that communication, you know, talk track, I'd love to hear your POV on this question as well. Yeah, communication, right? Crazy critical right now. <laughs> um, and again, uh, I'll go to our, uh, our mindset results, too, that show perceptions of communication, um, you know, sort of over this pandemic, you know, actually have risen, which which is great news. And, and I'm sure many organizations out there say, God, I hope so, because I'm communicating my head off, right? Like, you know, I'm trying to communicate, <laughs> communicate, communicate. And, and that's and that's really, re really important right now. Um, you know, most organizations are kind of going down that path somewhat because they've had to, and, and we've all sort of seen that. Um, but another thing I would add to just kind of go off with what Brian was talking about is even though we might, you know, we might view traditional communication methods as required, the, the goal is really to optimize attention and related action, right? So go mobile. Right. If, if, if your communication strategy doesn't have sort of mobile capability and so forth, even though we might all be sitting around at our home offices or on our couch instead of traveling at the airport and some of those things. Right. Yeah. Mobile is still super critical for uh, reaching people in, and getting that action in there, um, having one place for them to go to access this information. Right. Um, if you've got lots of different sites or lots of different places they have to go, we find more and more, you know, employers are like, I, I you know, I, I went here and it wasn't there. And then I just kind of gave up and, and decided to go somewhere else. Right. And just making it as easy as possible to use. Right. Everybody's trying to balance all of these different priorities and get there. And our research time and time again tells us that people don't really engage um, at the levels employers want or expect unless we can find ways to bring that relevant, that those valuable programs to their attention at the point of need. 
right? And this is really where data, you know, AI, if you, know, if you haven't heard AI, you can't get through a call without talking about AI, right? <laughs> um, and this whole personalized messaging, personalized campaigns, right? Using notifications and alerts, right? All through the various platforms can really, really help bring that attention when it's relevant, when it's needed. And that's how we really get to some of the um, attention as well as some of the action that we're trying to get people to do. Okay, so I'm, I'm tracking this. So communication, easy access and use, alerts at point of need, all, you know, table stakes in having an effective strategy to support your people. So Brian, what do you think employers should consider that in this area? Sure. I mean, Ray nailed it. And I got to drill deeper there. This really is the time to reimagine your communications. This year has highlighted an existing lack of awareness on many benefit programs and how to best utilize them. And that's not gonna be corrected by applying the same old strategy. Alight is finding that bringing all your data together and using AI to drive insights and personalized messaging is having a huge impact on outcomes. It doesn't have to be complicated. So think about logging into your benefits portal to add a new child to coverage and seeing a personalized nudge to rethink how your new blessing might impact your health savings goals, your out-of-pocket expenses, and how you might want to tie that all back together to work towards true financial well-being. Yeah, so I, that brings up a really great point because I guess it is pretty difficult to get the value of the benefits if you don't even know what's available or how to use it. So Ray, is there anything else that you would suggest then to employers as we get ready to start a new year and organizations might be deep within their 2021 planning yeah, right. I mean, sort of even going outside of just the benefit space, um, you know, beyond understanding employee priorities, taking stock of the ecosystem, right? Given the current pandemic situation, I mean, even with the coming availability of, of vaccines, right? So we've just heard about some of those, you know, making their way to us at some point here. Um, companies really will also want to review and, and kind of test their return to work and kind of future of work strategy and their related designs here. Um, you, you know, with a likely combination of remote, um, altered on-site work and lots of variation and hybrids, right? Clarity around expectations that reinforce health and safety, right? All builds trust in employees that you care clearly about productivity, of course, as an employer, um, but you also care about well-being and that employee experience. We have mentioned, you know, a little bit before, right, financial well-being before. Um, it's important to remember to continue to encourage employees, you know, to learn about and use their health savings account um, and their 401ks too, right? So with financial hardships, you know, certainly have increased. We've also seen for, you know, a segment of the population, expenses have declined, right? I'm commuting less, right? Less travel for vacation, less eating out, um, maybe less recreational activities, lower car insurance, you know, all of these different things. Um, also, you know, may have reduced that expenses and may allow increased savings for the future. So kind of reminding employees, hey, put that, you know, those lower expenses to, to good use if you have the opportunity to do so. Um, and then begin to experiment to using virtual experiences um, to supplement or replace those in-person in experiences you might have used in the past, um, whether they're benefit fairs, new hire orientations, even financial well-being kind of sessions or seminars. Um, you know, clients that we help deliver these virtual um, experiences during the recent enrollment period have had really incredible results in terms of employee satisfaction, perceived value, reach, and, and even 
even cost savings, you know, often better than, you know, previously in-person kinds of sessions. So, you know, experiment, play around with some of those things, see where that might lead you. And, and remember, I think to all employers, uh, always, sometimes we forget about this. If you aren't sure where to start, ask your employees, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. questions like, you know, where are you struggling? Um, where, you know, where could you use some help, right? It always surfaces um, interesting and, and sometimes sort of, you know, unique insights to build on and revise your strategy. So each organization kind of has to look at where their employee well-being is, right? And as it relates to their priorities and kind of build their strategy from there. Awesome. So, we do have time for one last question. And so throughout today's discussion, we've you know taken stock, what are employees feeling? We've even provided some guidance on what things employers are doing currently, how employers can implement things moving forward. But I think I wanna ask you know the million dollar question here, what types of indicators should organizations look for as they're implementing these programs, initiatives, et cetera, to measure success? Oh, well, great, great, Dom. So you're asking, you know, a couple of data guys, you know, to speak succinctly <laughs> about measurement. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, totally. You know, how uh, right, right. Yeah, we obviously we could spend an entire episode on on this critical topic. Um, so, you know, for employers, right, if we're spending resources, our time, our attention, obviously our money uh, on these things, we, we do need to measure it appropriately. And, and to some extent, you know, we see some of these measures vary by industry and, and by company objectives, you know, different objectives for behavioral objectives people might have might drive different metrics around that. Um, but some universal ones that, you know, I'll, I'll point to, right, awareness, um, first, you know, level of, of engagement or utilization, um, clearly is also is one and employee perception, right? Basically, do people know about it? Do they use it? Do they value it? <laughs> right? Making sure that you've got those. And then actually going um, into segmentation, right? Which employees and dependents know, use, and value the various efforts, right? Are, are those the ones that we we expected to? Are those the ones we want to? Are those the ones that actually we're trying to drive some of those behavioral objectives around? And then beyond that, right, a company would want to measure, you know, how targeted or personalized messages might be performing, right? How are we reaching people in that? But at the end of the day, maybe, and maybe, maybe most critically, um, we want to tie it to behaviors and outcomes, right? So you can determine return. Um, answering questions like, are people doing what we want them to do? Um, is their well-being actually improving, right? And this requires some ongoing metrics, right, to see change. And, and those often can be incorporated into appropriate dashboards. In fact, um, just yesterday, I was meeting with one of our teams, you know, pulling together some incredible financial well-being analytics and dashboards, right, that integrate client data, our broader light data, external data, but all focused on driving value for the organization and the workforce together, right? Um, and I think employers will definitely see, right, the return on improved well-being across, you know, any or all of the dimensions really in, in, in enhanced productivity, uh, reduced health and cost risk, um, and, you know, to some extent, a shareworthy employee experience, right, that further improves overall engagement, um, as well as builds on a strong employer brand. Awesome. Well, thank you both for taking the time to join us today to share this excellent insight as we get ready to wrap up quite a crazy year. Um, if you're watching today and you want to learn more about Ray, Brian, or today's topic, there's additional resources on the right-hand side of your console, and I highly encourage you to check them out. I also want to thank our viewers today for joining us this year. 
Whether it was in our studio or live from our home offices, we appreciate you taking the time to join us and learn more. We'll always be here to shed a light on the latest and greatest human capital and business topics. Have a safe and healthy holiday, and we'll see you next year.